The nine to five grind. We all know exactly what it means. It's been a pretty significant part of the working lifestyle of our parents' generation and our parents' parents' generation. This type of structured corporate grind has been around for over 50 years. I mean, Dolly Parton even wrote a song with the handle. But for many millennials and Generation Zers, we want something a little different. Something less rigid, something more adventurous and meaningful, a career that offers a different kind of work-life balance, one that truly emphasizes the life part. And if you're a regular listener of this podcast, you've probably either already taken the leap from your nine to five job, maybe you never had a traditional job, or you've at least strongly considered trading it in for something a little less orthodox. And don't worry, I'm not going to tell your boss. But shifting career paths can definitely present challenges. Your worst case scenario fears will undoubtedly bubble to the surface and hold you back, despite the opportunity you suspect is waiting for you on the other side of your fears. The freedom of being your own boss and setting your own work-life structure is seductive, but getting there often is not a straight line. That's why today's guest, Kaylee Dimmick, is here to tell you all about how she leaned into her fears of leaving her traditional workplace and took the leap into freelancing. She is here to encourage you with her story of success and to tell you how you can find your own path to freedom, independence, and success as a freelancer. If you are already a freelancer, a budding entrepreneur, or someone who is feeling a little stuck in the nine to five cycles, Kaylee's story will inspire you and her wisdom is sure to set you on the right track. So settle in, my friend. I just know you are going to love this episode. You're listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. Around here, we believe that taking imperfect action rules. So we're creating space for you to dive in and fast track your success one workshop at a time. Now, refill your coffee cup, grab your notebook, and get ready to join in on your weekly training, listen to meaningful conversation, and learn from industry experts. Here's your host, Kelly Lawson. Hello, Kaylee. Welcome to the show. I am pretty pumped to talk to you today. How are things? Things are pretty good. Everything considered, it's a beautiful day here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, so I can't complain. Yeah, that's awesome. So today we're going to be chatting all about freelancing, and I am pretty excited to learn things from you because freelancing for me wasn't necessarily something that I did in a calculated way. I kind of just let the universe direct me to become a freelance photographer. So I'm excited to learn from you today. And I also would love to hear more about your story. I've been following you on Instagram, so I know a little bit about it. But tell us a little bit about you and how you became the freelancer that you are. Sure. It's kind of a long journey. So I'll try to give you the Coles notes version. But basically, I've known that I wanted to work for myself ever since I was four years old. Literally, I just always had that instinct. When I was four, I took items from around my bedroom that I was not wanting or not fond of anymore as a little toddler. And I laid them out on my bed and I invited my cousins and the neighborhood children in for my yard sale. And of course, (laughs) nobody had any money. So sales were quite low that day. 
But, you know, it's something that I've always wanted to do. I was the kid who was so excited to have the lemonade stand. When I was 12, I was selling jewelry that I made at the flea market. And then I had like a handmade pillow business and then a tote bag business and then a handmade fashion business in high school. And then I got into logo design and photography when I was 19, 20. And I spent a lot of my 20s kind of thinking that freelancing full time just wouldn't be possible quite frankly, I had a lot of mindset issues and I mm-hmm. just couldn't get over them. I thought I was ridiculous for even wanting $50 for headshot sessions. So there was a lot that was standing in my way mentally for me to really get there. So I ended up going the more traditional route, getting nine to fives. And then eventually, as I was still freelancing on the side, I just decided to make the leap just over three years ago. I was walking to the SkyTrain. So I was living in Vancouver at the time. And my dad, who was still alive at the time, was never really that supportive of me working for myself. I come from a military family. Security is everything. Money Mm -hmm. was scarce. It was just how they were raised. And it was what was drilled into my head as well. And so I never really felt fully supported by him or my family. But this one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to call him. I used to call him on this walk. And this one day I called him and I said, you know what, dad? I think I have to do it. It's like, I'm 27. I don't have kids. I don't have a mortgage yet. I'm not married. I was like, there's probably not going to ever be a better time. And on the other end of the phone, he said, okay, you're right. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Are you serious? And he was like, yeah. I was like, okay. So I actually handed in my notice the next day. And there was so many more things that had to align and so many more mental blocks that came up for me to finally take that leap as well. But I will say that that was probably the most significant one that really meant so much to me. Absolutely. And I'm certain that your story resonates with so many people, no matter where on the spectrum they are, if they're in that kind of pre-contemplation phase where they're like, I really don't like what I'm doing, but I don't yet have the confidence to take the leap and do something different. Or the people who've already taken the leap and are looking back on their life thinking like, wow, there was a lot of mindset blocks that were holding me back. So it begs the question, how did you work on those mindset blocks? Because I'm sure that a lot of listeners are dealing with that as they're listening to this. I honestly just forced myself. I adopted a motto where I threw myself at the things that scared me Mm -hmm. because I knew there was no other way. And Another thing that happened in the days leading up to me finally handing in my notice was I watched this video. It was Will Smith, and he's jumping out of an airplane, and he just said one really powerful line, and I believe it was, everything you want is on the other side of fear or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And it made me realize that if I could never make that step, I may never be truly happy. And being entrepreneurial was something that was in my blood my entire Mm -hmm. life, but I Mm -hmm. constantly fought it, constantly. And I was never happy. I was never happy. And so I'm like, okay, I can either take this risk as terrifying as it is. And I'm somebody who deals with anxiety. So it was, you know, super terrifying. Mm -hmm. Or I can just accept that this is my life and I may never be completely fulfilled with what I'm doing. And so, yeah, I just made a conscious decision to continually throw myself at the situations that scared me as long as they weren't actually going to put me in harm's way. And through doing that over and over again, whether it was, you know, pitching or 
talking about my work or telling somebody my rates, anything that created fear and anxiety, I just forced myself to do it. And with practice and repetition, as I'm sure you know as well, it gets a lot easier. Completely. I actually got goosebumps when you were telling that story because it is so identical or at least very, very similar to my story and what I went through with leaving the nine to five. So here's what I get asked a lot. So I want to ask it to you too. How did you know it was time? How did I know it was time? There were quite a few signs that had just aligned Mm -hmm. over the previous few months. So one of them, a couple months before I handed in my notice, I went to Bali and I received a message on Instagram from these two girls. They're called the Bucketless Bombshells. And they work for themselves, teaching people online. And they also came from, you know, freelance background. And they asked me to meet up with them for a smoothie. I was like, wow, this is super cool. Like, why do they want to meet me? And we met up and we got into deep conversation right away. And within five minutes of meeting them, I told them, yeah, I really want to quit my job. And I think I want to run like in-person workshops maybe. And, but I, you know, I'm not really ready to quit my job yet. I want to get all this stuff going first. And they just deadpan looked at me and were like, Kaylee, we see what you're doing on the side. You need to quit your job. Like you're going to be fine. You're going to be great. And that really stuck with me because they were strangers Mm -hmm. and they had so much experience in doing what I wanted to do. So that was one thing. And then when I came back from that trip, the office where I was working at the time, they were moving locations and the new location was under renovation. It wasn't ready just yet. So we all had to work from home or from cafes. And so I spent all this time working in a cafe And so I actually got to try on what this would be like Mm -hmm. to kind of have more control over my schedule and work from cafes and inspiring spaces that I chose. And I loved it. I loved that feeling. And so that was another thing that happened. And then also the conversation with my father, I was just really becoming less and less happy Mm -hmm. in my job. I was becoming less motivated every day to do a good job. I wasn't taking as much pride in my work and I don't want to be that person. And so I knew I had to make a change, whether it was getting another job or really making a stab at working for myself. And so I did apply for a bunch of other jobs and I had some really amazing opportunities come up, but I was like, you know what? I could end up in the exact same position. So let's just try this right now instead. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Good for you for taking the leap. And I think that people often underestimate what a negative mindset is costing them. The longer you let your negative mindset control your life, the longer you're going to let it control your happiness and your freedom and your ability to make money potentially more, like if that's what motivates you. And uh, I'm just really glad that we kicked off this episode talking about mindset and how you took the leap. So I know that you've prepared some tips for helping listeners to do the very same thing and venture into freelancing. So we're going to get to those in just a second. But first, I need to know what type of freelancing you do. 
Yeah. So I offer a number of different services, which is not something I advise people to do when they first start (laughs) out. (laughs) However, I've been able to combine complementary services and be quite successful in doing so. So the number one service that I offer is Facebook ads. I specialize in Facebook ads for e-commerce, but there are a bunch of other verticals that I help as well, like health and fitness. I also do some for coaches and course creators. I also run email marketing as well, photography, video. I do a little bit of social media management. And I also mentor people as well, one-on-one through my business mentorship program. Mm -hmm. And then I also have an online education portion of my business as well, which I'm coming out with a couple of new courses all about freelancing. Mm -hmm. And that, that pretty much sums it up. Amazing. And all of this in three years, you said you've been freelancing? Mm-hmm. Yep, just over three years now. Yeah. So listeners, just think if you just start today where you could be in three short years from now. Amazing. I love it. So let's talk a little bit about how they can take the same leap that you have. Sure. So the first thing I want to talk about is choosing your services, because some people know that they want to work for themselves, but they don't actually know what they want to do. I wasn't really in that position where I already knew what I wanted to do because I had been working in it. But some people are really looking to make a whole change, take a whole 180 and offer something new. So when it comes to choosing your services, I have a four pillar system that I like to use. So there's four key pillars I think that you need to consider when choosing the services that you're going to offer. So the first one is passion. The next one is demand. The next one is competition. And the last one is skill. So I always tell people to evaluate their potential services on these four key pillars. The most important by far is passion, because obviously, if you're looking to work for yourself, you want to be happy. You have to be really passionate about what you're doing. And so if you have the passion, I fully believe that you can develop the skill. So even if you're not great at what you're doing, you can always learn that. You'll be more motivated to teach yourself anything if you're really passionate about it. Also, a lot of people get deterred when there's a high level of competition. As you know, in photography, there's so much competition. There's a bazillion photographers everywhere. So some people go, I love photography. I think I'm pretty good at it. I really want to pursue this. But you know what? There's so many photographers where I live. How could I ever get ahead? Again, if we come back to passion... And developing your skills, I think that it's possible no matter how much competition there is. There's so much work to go around. There's so many possibilities. So I would try to not let that deter anybody. It's the same thing for things like graphic design, right? There's a bazillion graphic designers out there, but there's so many who are still able to be really successful. Totally. And there's still only one you, is what I always say. Like, there's no other you. There's going to be something special that you bring no matter what. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and people want to work with people that they like. It's not just about your work. It's about how you communicate with the client, how you get along with them and who you are as a person. Completely 1000 million percent agree. I'm glad you said that because I think that's often overlooked. It's not just all about your skill. It's It's about working with you as a human being and the service that you provide and the thought that you put into what you're doing and how you care and love on your customers. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so the next thing that is super important is becoming really amazing at what you do. 
Because ultimately, if you become really great at what you do, and this could take some time, right? You could become really great at what you do in six months, or maybe it'll take five years. No matter what it is, eventually you will get to a point where if you're getting great results for clients or you're producing amazing work, your work will end up speaking for itself. And not only that, but you're way more likely to have case studies and have results that you can actually communicate. And that will only help you to build confidence as well. Oh, hello there. Quick question for you. Does taking a great brand or product photo feel like a code you simply can't crack? Do you want to give up trying to create visual assets for your business before you've even started? Well, you're about to discover the secrets to taking powerful brand and product photos while strategically sharing them in a way that will serve your bottom line without adding hours of learning to your already packed up calendar. If you're a business owner, maker, influencer, or affiliate marketer, you already know that showing up online with beautiful imagery is super important. That's why I created this free online training especially for you to level up your brand and create the kind of imagery that catches the eye of your customer, the kind of imagery you can be proud of. During this retraining, you will learn my four-step framework for taking brand and product photos that will help you improve your sales and attract more customers without being salesy. You will also learn the top four mistakes most people make with brand and product photos and why these mistakes are costing them major profits. So, are you ready to up-level your visual brand assets? I thought so. For a limited time only, grab your seat for my free training at kellylawson.ca slash free masterclass. That's kellylawson.ca slash free masterclass. I am so excited to be your teacher and I'll see you in class. What recommendations do you have for people to get started with getting better at what they do? For sure. So, I think taking it upon yourself to take on some passion projects Mm -hmm. is really important. I actually launched and ran an e-commerce store back in 2014 for the sole purpose of learning how to run Shopify stores and how to run Facebook ads and how to manage a business like that because that was the type of client that I knew I wanted eventually. And it taught me so much. You know, I didn't have to go out and beg somebody to give me a chance. I don't know if anybody would have even given me a chance back then. But by me creating this entity, it was just a a small like t-shirt business kind of thing. It allowed me to really teach myself the skills. So if you're somebody who's a self-starter, teaching yourself Obviously, that's a great way to, you know, hone in your skills. Maybe you like to learn from somebody else. So taking Mm -hmm. online courses, taking classes when you can, taking on internships. So offering to volunteer as well to get a little bit of experience behind your belt. That can be really helpful as well. Yeah, I believe there's so many options out there. Another tip I have is if this is something that's really, really important to you, put it in your calendar. So if you are dedicated to becoming better, but you have a really busy life, you know, maybe you're a mother and you still have a nine to five as well. And you are like, how am I going to get better at this new skill that I really want to get better at? Make it a priority. Put it on your calendar. Totally. I can relate to that one for sure, because that's what I have to do. I work full time and I'm also taking a course on the side. And if I don't set aside an hour or two outside of my regular work hours, in the calendar to be accountable to myself. It just, it's really tough to squeeze it in. Or it's the first thing that you cut out of your schedule 
when you can cut it. But so you got to make a commitment to yourself and prioritize that. I love it. And, and we're so lucky to have the resources that we have today. Like some of the most successful people that I know have no formal training. They mm-hmm. just figured it out. They used Google and, you know, leaned on friends. I agree completely. I am actually a university dropout. So I went to university for one semester and I dropped out because I wasn't going to class and I was doing really well, but everything was so slow for me. So I really wanted to focus on just learning the skills that I really thought I needed. So I started teaching myself the Adobe suite when I was 17. If you have it in you to teach yourself, it can actually be way more efficient because you can be in control of which steps you learn. And so I may not know every little thing about every single program, but I know exactly the things I need to know in order to perform the tasks I need to perform. Absolutely. It makes so much sense. And I think too, like it needs to be said that you can get to the point of selling your services without accumulating a lot of expenses and like what a fantastic way to get started right without any debt yeah for sure for sure it's a leg up for sure so choose which services you want to offer and become really good at what you do what's next the next one is to price your services properly and this I think is a pitfall that I would say probably 90% of new freelancers fall into. And this has a lot to do with mindset, right? We are starting out, even if it's something we were doing in a nine to five for five years beforehand, it's like when we start working for ourselves, we treat ourselves as though we're brand new at it again. So whether you are just starting out in an area or you have tons of experience, you need to make sure that you don't price yourself too low. Again, it was like me when I was 20 trying to sell headshot sessions for $50 and I was doing logo design for $50. I was making nothing. And also I wasn't even getting very much business because when I say I only charge $50, it also communicates that I'm not very good. Mm -hmm. So I think pricing your services properly is absolutely key to becoming successful. And a lot of people when they're first starting out and they have no experience at all, This can be really, really tricky because you don't have any results or testimonials or case studies. So in that situation, I recommend that somebody take on a client or two or a project or two for free for a limited amount of time. So you define the scope of the work with the client. I'm going to do this for free. And then you get your case study. You make sure that they agree to do a testimonial. And then once you have some work behind your belt and you have some results that you can show, then I think the best thing to do is to price yourself within the market range for Mm -hmm. a service. So, you know, if people in your area are charging anywhere from $500 to $2,000 a month for Instagram management, you don't want to be tempted to be like, oh, I'm brand new. So I'm going to undercut and I'm only going to charge $300 because you're going to lose out. You're going to be working for less than minimum wage. And it becomes really hard to raise your rates once you realize that you're actually really good at it. Absolutely. So I think that's a really excellent suggestion for how people should get started. Because I know for myself, when I was getting started, I just thought, I just want to do photography. And sometimes I was like, it's, it's okay if people don't pay me because I just want to do photography. But then eventually the demand went up and I was like, okay, I can't sustain this as a fun hobby anymore. It's time to start charging money. And I'm pretty sure I didn't look at what anybody in the industry was charging. And I think I was 
like you, I charged, I think, 100 bucks for a photo shoot or something like that. And I did that for a while until I was like, I can't take any more of this. My time is too important. And so I guess I kind of used the supply and demand aspect of pricing to generate my pricing. And I don't think that that was the most efficient way for sure. And at the time, there was probably a lot of mindset work that I needed to do to understand my worth and the product that I was providing and what my time was worth. Mm -hmm. It takes time to be able to tell which pricing is actually going to work for you, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't want to charge so little that you are taking the disadvantage of that, but you also don't want to charge so much when you're starting out that you don't get any clients. So I tend to look at what's called the market range, which is based on research. And I do that for, you know, each service and then placing yourself somewhere within that market range based on you know, how much experience you have, but more importantly, the kind of results you get. So, you know, if somebody's only got a year experience in Facebook ads, but they're getting clients five times return on ad spend consistently every month, there's no reason why you can't be charging a premium, right? Those are great results. So it does take time to learn what that is. And it takes research as well, but it's really important to do that. Absolutely. I think that's an excellent tip. And there's a lot that goes into it as well, because, Sometimes if sales aren't happening, it's maybe because you didn't do a good job selling it too. So sometimes when you're using money to validate, there's all kinds of things that could be playing into into that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So price your services properly, everyone. So what's your next tip? I would say to build your reputation, gain case studies and testimonials. So this kind of goes along with what we just spoke about when we were talking about taking on a couple of clients for free. Whether or not you're taking on clients for free when you start out or not, you really want to be focused on creating great work or getting great results so that you have case studies and then asking for testimonials and building those up. The reason for this is when we start out, I would say 95% of us hate selling right? Selling is, mm -hmm. is really uncomfortable when you're new. It's not something you've ever really had to do working for someone else unless you were literally in sales. And so if you have case studies and you have proven results and you have other people who are singing your praises, it becomes a lot easier to sell yourself. And oftentimes you'll be getting more referrals. So the leads who are coming into you are often more warm to start. So you don't feel like you have to do a lot of convincing. And you also don't feel like so much of an imposter if you've got the results to back up your service. Services. Absolutely. And how do you suggest that people get started with that? Yeah. So I think anytime that you've achieved really great results, it's important to make a little report for that. So almost like a sales deck. So talk about the project, include some screenshots or video or proof, talk about the results that were achieved. If it's something like Facebook ads or email marketing or anything where numbers are involved, make sure you say the numbers in there. Make sure you know which key metrics to talk about and include those. And then also go to your client and ask them if they'll be willing to give you a testimonial. If it's a client who you have on an ongoing Going basis. Sometimes I'll even offer a little bit of a discount on their next invoice just to take into consideration their time that they took to do that for you mm -hmm. and also for the permission for you to use that as well. Mm -hmm, completely. And are there any like specific questions that they should ask their clients to get a great testimonial or is it more or less just like a summary? <laughs> no. So I have a very kind of firm 
three-pronged outline for what should Mm -hmm. be included in a testimonial. The first thing is they need to touch on what was their problem before working with you? What was their pain point? The next thing that needs to be included is why were they hesitant to work with you. So this is going to address sales objections from future prospective clients when they read over this. So maybe they were hesitant because they didn't have a lot of money to work with and your services were expensive. Maybe they didn't want to work with you because they've never worked with this type of professional before and they didn't know what to expect. It could be all kinds of reasons. And then the last thing to include is the tangible results and the outcome of working with you. So again, if numbers are involved, if there's sales numbers involved, make sure you're always including those numbers. If it's something more like photography, especially like, you know, family photo shoots, that sort of thing, talk a little bit more about the experience and the personality of working with the person and how they made you feel. I love that you said to address the objections because that was something that took me a very long time to learn as an entrepreneur as it pertains to sales. Because just like you said, I cringe. I still do a little bit at the thought of selling because it's just not how I like to show up naturally. And it took me a really long time to realize that a big part of sales was addressing objections that your customers bring to the table because they all bring a set of objections, like every single one of them, 100%. And it's your job as an entrepreneur or freelancer to find out what those are and make sure that you're hitting them in the bud, even potentially before they consider you know, contacting you or whatever. So it can show up on your sales page, for example, like anticipate those objections and knock them out before the transaction, before you even connect with each other. Absolutely. Another thing I recommend doing, which is a little bit controversial because not a lot of people do this yet, is I put all of my starting rates on my website because when I first started out, the amount of inquiries I got was pretty huge. But as soon as I told somebody my rates, they were like, oh, I can't afford you. Mm -hmm. So I just started putting my starting rates right on my website to get rid of that objection because I was like, well, I'm not going to lower my rates. So Mm -hmm. let's get this out of the way first before we Mm -hmm. go into the next step. And even right now, I actually have an inquiry in my inbox from somebody right now who's like, okay, let's meet up next week. And I reply back saying, hold up one second. Let's go through a couple more questions. We need to talk about budget here because we're all really busy. You know, I'm super busy. You're super busy. All business owners are super busy. I'm not going to take out two hours of my schedule next week to go down and meet and then come back if I don't know if we're already on the same page in terms of budget, at least close, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think addressing anything as early on as possible is really important just to save everybody's time and hassle. And so we can actually use our time to being productive and on the things that matter. Absolutely. Because time is our real currency when it comes down to it. It's it's the single thing that we can't generate more of. So we have to be protective of our time for sure. Mm -hmm. I agree 100%. So what's your next tip? The next one I want to talk about is managing risks. And this is one I throw in here because so many people are so hesitant to take the actual leap. And I never want to say to anyone, oh, just do it. Just do it. Just dive in. There are some real risks for some people. You know, I was really fortunate that when I quit my nine to five, like I mentioned earlier, I didn't have a mortgage yet. I didn't have any kids. I wasn't married. I didn't have a ton of debt. And I had already put in place for myself three months worth of savings as well. So I was in a position where the worst case scenario, so I think that everybody 
before they take the leap should really ask themselves, what's the absolute worst case scenario? That was another thing I did that really helped me to make the decision because for me, the absolute worst case scenario was that I would have to get another job. And I was living in Vancouver at the time. I was in high demand as well. So I knew that that wouldn't really be an issue. So it was easy for me, but it's not going to be that easy for everyone. You know, if you are the breadwinner in your household and you've got three, four kids and you've got a mortgage or two, there's a lot more to take into consideration. A lot of people are going to be a lot less likely to take that leap if somebody else is going to lose out, you know, if there's other people in the picture. And so I do think that it is smart to really evaluate your risks first. And there are ways to mitigate those risks too. So starting a, another savings account, budgeting, cutting things out, you know, I asked myself, would I be willing to leave Vancouver? Cause Vancouver is really expensive. Right. And my answer mm-hmm. was actually, yes, I wanted to work for myself so bad that I was willing to leave Vancouver. I was willing to get a roommate. I was willing to <laughs> cut out cable, like so many expenses. So if it's something you really, really, really want, look at your budget, look at where, if it happened, if it did happen to happen, where could I cut back, you know, and how can I start saving more? And also, is this something that I can start exploring while I'm still at my nine to five? So I was also starting to freelance on the side. I mean, I'd been freelancing on the side for seven, eight years before I actually made the decision to go full time. So ask yourself if it's something you can dip your toe into on the side and just test demand and use that time to really perfect your skills and figure out your pricing and lay the groundwork before you take the risk. And of course, I'm definitely really a big supporter of believing in a positive mindset. And I really believe that everyone is truly capable and we don't want to think negatively. We don't want to think that it's It's not going to work out. And there is also a level of reality that if you do have a lot of responsibility, especially financially, that you do want to put some key things in place. Absolutely. I know for me personally, I built up, I considered it a side hustle for many years, but I built that up before taking the leap. I think a lot of people on the outside look in and think, oh my goodness, that person went from a nine to five to just crushing it at this other job or, or, you know, being an entrepreneur or their business. But what they're not seeing is that like, there is a lot of legwork that happens in between to mitigate the risk. I know for me, at least at one point, I felt like I was working two full-time jobs before I was like, okay, it's time to let go of the other one now. For me, I was never at a place where I was 100% comfortable in letting go. And I don't know why, but it was really because I had been freelancing on the side, but the amount of money I was making from freelancing on the side at the time was maybe $500 a month. And Mm -hmm. I remember I had this conversation with the accountant at work and I said to him, his name is Alfred, I said, Alfred, when do you think it'll be the right time for me to, to leave this place? And he said, well, when you match your income that you're making from here. And I remember being like, oh, and then I went home and I thought about it. And I was like, hold up. I was like, that's not possible because I'm not capable of working two full-time jobs. I don't want to do that. I don't have the energy for that. And so that was eye-opening for me as well, knowing that 
I may never feel 100% confident. And in fact, after I handed in my notice, I barely slept for those last two weeks and I barely ate. The anxiety was crippling. Mm -hmm. And then within a month, I had matched my monthly income from my nine to five. And then within a few months later, I had doubled it. It all worked out so beautifully, but I was absolutely terrified. And so I think if people can get to 100% being comfortable to make the decision. I think that's amazing. And I also think for a lot of us, we may only ever get to 50%. I feel like that was as high as I was going to get. And I could also tell though, in my soul, I would never be happy truly if I didn't Mm -hmm. take that. So I'm glad you mentioned that because another really great litmus test is, are you unhappy doing what you're doing too many days in a row? How many days in a row is okay to be unhappy with what you're doing? Because this is how you're spending your life. Mm-hmm. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. So if there's too many days in a row that you're not enjoying what you're doing from nine to five, Monday to Friday, or whatever your hours are, it's probably time to look at some kind of a change. And like, you're not going to wake up in the morning and quit your job, but the change can just be dipping your toe in, like you mentioned. So it doesn't have to be terrifying. It doesn't have to feel like, you know, you're leaping off a building. It can feel like you're leaping off a high patio or something. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Keep off the high patio. (laughs) Yeah. So I get the impression that life balance is pretty important for you. So how do you manage all of the things and still maintain life balance? So I have a lot of boundaries in place with my clients. I actually Mm -hmm. make all of my clients sign a working together agreement, which is in addition to our service agreement. And the working together agreement goes over the terms of working with me and my team. So I have a few part-time people on my team now as well. And so that agreement says things like, these are our office hours. This is when we communicate. We communicate via email. Calls must be scheduled. It also says that I do not respond to client Instagram DMs because a lot of people want to message me on Instagram. But that's for me, it's more of a personal space, even though that is where I get a lot of leads. I take everything to email pretty quickly. I also do try really hard to abide by those working hours for myself. So there are times, of course, especially with Black Friday, Cyber Monday and the holiday season coming up, those can be special times for sure in, in my line of work. But I do try really firmly to abide by nine to five, Monday to Friday. And I take my weekends and I truly allow myself to completely enjoy my weekends guilt-free without working. And I put that in place in my business pretty much from the start. There's very few times when I will make exceptions to that. And if I make exceptions to that, it's usually quite manageable because I do it so infrequently. Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel like it's cost you business to set boundaries like that? No. In fact, I feel like setting boundaries like that has made me more respected. And I also feel like because of that respect, I think it continues to position me as a premium service provider. Mm -hmm. And I love that you address sort of setting boundaries around communications because in today's age, there's Facebook DMs, you know, probably for your personal page and your business page. There's Instagram DMs, there's DMs on Twitter, there's phone calls, there's email, there's like an endless amount of ways that people can contact you. And I've done the same thing. I streamline everything to my email. I set up autoresponders everywhere because it's an unreasonable expectation, I think, for any human to stay on top of communications when they're coming at you from 10 different directions. And it always surprises me because my voicemail says, don't leave a message because there was no way to take voicemail off or I would have done that. And instead, 
you know, contact me via email and it, it always throws people off. And I get a laugh out of the people who leave a message to chuckle and say their message because I just don't have the capacity to take everything in. So I actually don't listen to voicemails. <laughs> Mm. I think it's important to, you know, figure out what works for you and then to really stick with that. Like, I don't accept text messages from clients. I don't mm-hmm. want that. I, it's, my email gets my top priority. So if it's important, it has got to be in my email. My friends could tell you, I could respond to your text in five minutes or it could be five days. I'm not a great texter. And I always laugh when people say, oh, I'm so sorry for taking so long to text you after it's been like two hours. I'm like, I don't think it's healthy to have those kinds of expectations. And in fact, I actually get zero notifications on my phone aside from calls. My phone doesn't even ting when I get a text message. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean... Don't even get me started on that topic. <laughs> My husband and I recently watched The Social Dilemma and where it has changed things. I'll just say that. Yeah. So Kaylee, you have a free resource to offer. I do. Yes. So it's a free PDF guide. It goes over seven steps to start freelancing and you can download it from my website, which is kayleedimick.com and then it's slash freelancer guide. So anybody who's interested in diving into the world of freelancing or maybe you're already in it and you want to just see what I have to say, then you're more than welcome to download that guide. Amazing. I love it. And we'll be sure to link all of those good things, including ways to get in touch with you, find your website and download your freebie in the show notes. Kaylee, thank you so much for generously sharing your expertise and your time today. It was such a pleasure talking to you. And I'm just still in awe of how similar our stories are. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening who can relate as well. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I hope Kaylee's story and words help to give you the confidence and clarity you need if you are considering venturing into the wonderful world of freelancing. Or if you are already a freelancer looking to uplevel your game, I hope you really loved this episode. And I want to remind you that you can do this. There is only one you and you are fully capable. It's okay to show up imperfectly. You deserve to chase your dreams. You deserve to invest in yourself and to set yourself up for success. And I want to know how it feels when you can finally say, I am a freelancer. So be sure to tag me on your adventures so I can cheer you on. For more information about Kaylee, including how to get in touch and links to her resources, please visit the show notes at kellylawson.ca slash 032. And until next week, keep on showing up. Never forget, we grow by taking imperfect action. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.theworkshopweekly.com or leave a review on iTunes. And we'll see you next week for another action-packed episode, you workshop warrior you.